Welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded at an Innovation Roundtable workshop hosted by IBM in New York in October 2018, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Mika Koch, Managing Director for Urban X, BMW's accelerator unit. Mika starts the conversation by explaining the relationship between BMW and Urban X before delving into the most distinctive traits, qualities, and working styles that characterize the startups working with BMW. Finally, Mika talks about how the speed of product development has increased exponentially during the past years and the implications this has on organizations. Micah. Yes. Thanks very much for your presentation and uh, thanks for joining me in my little uh, studio. Happy to be here. Um, maybe we can start the interview by you just uh, briefly explaining who you are, uh, what company you work for and uh, what role you have. Sure. Uh, my name is Micah Koch and I'm the managing director for Urban X uh, for MINI, which is part of the BMW group. And um, I run an accelerator for startups who are reimagining city life. Maybe you can give us a bit of an overview of kind of the, the larger innovation framework or innovation um, process at BMW and especially how then Urban X plugs into that. Sure. Um, so the BMW group has three primary ways of engaging with uh, startups. Um, there's BMW iVentures, which is the corporate venture fund. It's a 500 million euro fund. Tends to invest at the Series A, Series B stage um, in companies that are core to the strategic business of um, automotive and uh, things that will wind up potentially on the factory floor. Um, there's a program called BMW Startup Garage uh, based in Munich, and um, that is a venture client uh, program. So they work with early stage startups. Um, that are innovating kind of inside of the gearbox, so things that, that might wind up on the car or in the car. They don't take any equity. They don't take any debt. Um, they help uh, companies enter into the supply chain of the BMW group, connect them with other Tier 1 suppliers, um, buy their prototypes. Um, and then there's Urban X. Uh, we are um, very early stage. So we will invest at a pre-seed uh, stage. Uh, we will take equity or we will take debt in, in the companies that we work with. Um, and while uh, we are very interested in mobility and transportation-related technologies, we also um, will invest across the spectrum that's focused on cities, smart cities, um, beyond the car business models. What scope and criteria do you use to select uh, those startups? And in your presentation, it was quite interesting to see kind of your uh, the way you kind of um, the program that you have for for startups and um, but how do you find them in the first place how do they apply yeah um, so selection is probably the hardest part of the job <laughs> yeah um, because it's so early um, what we really look for is you know who is the team um, you know why are they working on this problem what have they done before why are they Credible, um, you know, are they intentional about the culture that they're building? Um, so I think we'll always bet on the on the jockey as opposed to betting on the horse because the business model will probably change, the product will probably change over time. Um, so team is incredibly important. And then we start to look at things like the market size, the opportunity, um, the approach, the go to market. Um, 
you know, competition and, and where they sit within the competitive landscape. Um, but I think that, you know, generally speaking, the biggest things are, you know, who's the team? Um, are they in love with the problem that they're solving? And can we add value? Is there a material way that, that we can uh, really help change the trajectory of this team? Now, those things are very much related to kind of any, any startup or VC approach looking at startups, I assume. What about that strategic aspect that you are kind of BMW? Is it any really, do you have any scope in terms of what you're looking at? Is it generally city uh, life and smart cities? It is. It is the future of, future of cities, right? So, so anything that we invest in has to really help make cities more efficient, more enjoyable, or more livable. Um, some of those things will naturally, again, be related to the future of electric vehicles, as a for example. Um, and in that case, there's, there's core strategic business overlap um, within the broader goals of the BMW group. And so there may be follow-on uh, investment interest from our colleagues at, at iVentures. Um, but it is not a, a core piece of the selection criteria that they have to be doing something that's strategic Uh, for the group or something that will ultimately wind up um, in or on the, the vehicle. We're really looking for great companies, um, creative entrepreneurs and, and founders and um, world-class engineers and designers who are determined to have an impact on the future of cities. And then um, we want to engage with them to help them level up in a relatively short amount of time. Now you have the chance to have those uh, startups working uh, in front of your eyes, basically supporting the best way. What are some of the traits and qualities or working styles or mindsets mm. in those teams you see? That is there anything you can see that you know where that projects success more than other things? What are what are some of the things you see in the day to day business of those startups in in, in in the time they are there that you see are then also becoming successful startups? Sure. Well, I think so. Number one is. Um, I think characteristically, you know, the best founders are more in love with the problem than they are with their solution. Um, you know, I think we, we see a lot of entrepreneurs who've invented, um, you know, a piece of software or a piece of hardware, and they've kind of built the thing that's, that's you know, inside of their head. Um, you know, and if only they'll, you know, if only they can find a, a customer to buy it, um, <laughs> it'll work. Uh, versus really being in love with the problem, deeply understanding the, the context, um, and, and being very close to customers and understanding kind of, um, you know, what the channel economics look like, as a for example, what their go-to-market looks like, what their customer acquisition costs are. Um, so I think that's kind of number one, is, is being more in love with the problem than the solution. I think... You know, the other highlight is founders who are really able to crunch down the time scale to get from learning to learning to the next key learning. And I think um, that really takes a tremendous amount of forethought and diligence is to understand, like, what is the most important thing they have to learn next to kind of get the their business to the next milestone. And that could be something, again, related to their customer. It could be related something to their to their um, uh, partner, it could be something that's related to to um, uh, to their product, but it is kind of like figuring out those key things and then really crunching down the time scale um, so that those points kind of happen, um, you know, faster and, and faster, and those learnings are then kind of translated into the product. 
um, or into the into the business model. And I think that's kind of the key thing. So it's like that relentless pursuit of figuring out the next most important thing in the shortest possible amount of time. Let me ask you once again about the um, BMW and Mini. Um, w how do, are they involved? Or the startups and, and that kind of more larger corporation, are there any kind of interfaces or touch points between those two? Or is it basically really something very separate without a lot of cross-collaboration between the two? Sure. So half of the equity that we invest um, comes from Mini, and then the other half comes from our venture partner, uh, which is a fund called Urban Us that also exclusively invests in urban tech. So we are on the cap table. Um, Mini and, and, and the BMW group are on the cap table. Um, and I, I think the other important thing to understand is that um, we have designers um, and engineers from Munich who've moved to New York um, who are working with these teams. So they're actually working with employees of uh, the larger group. Um, and then I think the third thing is, again, where there are relevant companies um, with a solution that might be a good fit for the BMW group, um, we are able to kind of make those connections, whether that's via Startup Garage or... Um, other um, points in the organization, we um, help kind of bridge that gap and then um, make the introductions and um, see if, in fact, there's a, a mutually beneficial relationship to be had. Because I, I am familiar with the garage, <clears throat> not so much with the venture arm, mm -hmm. um, and then Urban X, and to me it almost is like moving further away from the core business of BMW as a big corporation today. So I was just curious of how that relationship... Um, yeah. Well, I'm not so sure I see it as moving away from the core business. Mm. I, I think that there's this myth that companies can have kind of a silver bullet to this um, challenge of disruption and, and innovation. And I actually think that, um, you know, to its credit, the BMW group has said, actually, um, you know, there's no kind of one approach that's going to work best. In some cases, it's the corporate venture arm. In other cases, it's this early-stage accelerator program. And in some cases, it's going to be this venture-client relationship through the startup garage. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, the, the idea that there's a continuum. And we've actually seen this, and we had a company uh, called LunaWave in the last program, started at UrbanX, um, working on a project with startup garage, um, got an investment from iVentures, so I think it can actually work quite well all together. Um, but I think the other, the other big question is, you know, what is the core business of tomorrow? And, uh, you know, I think a lot of companies um, have some good hypotheses around what that might be. But, you know, they don't necessarily know exactly what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the BMW Group is a, is a great example of a company who's been around for 100 years started out making aircraft engines mm. um, and then transitioned to making, you know, the ultimate driving machine. Um, and in this next hundred years, you know, certainly as a mobility company, um, there's a lot of, you know, different paths in terms of what the business model of tomorrow might look like. And so I would argue that one of the best ways to kind of help um, determine what that's going to be is by engaging deeply and authentically with members of the startup community. What are some of the skill sets and capabilities to kind of setting that up? Now you have also a venture partner uh, in place. Mm -hmm. and 
<clears throat> what are some of the things that you and your team around you, what do you need in order to, uh, to make it happen and to run that, uh, that acceleration process? Um, well, I think you certainly need some freedom from some of the, um, uh, you know, the, the governance structures and policies and procedures that the parent company um, uh, employs and, you know, has, has, uh, works well with. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's an environment where um, speed is, is really valued and um, where there's a certain amount of risk that's inherent in the work that we do. And, uh, you know, most large companies are, um, you know, relatively risk-averse. And so having some um, freedom uh, to be able to, um, you know, to push in areas that traditionally haven't been uh, pushed on, I think, is probably a requisite. You know, you need, I think... Um, a level of board support and an executive sponsor to help, um, you know, spend some political capital to enable the, these kinds of relationships to take place. Um, I think you probably need, you know, unconventional actors. I think if the initiative was exclusively run by people with an automotive background, um, it, you know, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't have the impact that that I think that it has, given a, a very diverse group of designers and architects and um, planners and um, and and startups and, and investment backgrounds that that we have, um, and then I think you know it needs a vision. I think it needs a guiding principle um, for the work that's you know that, that that it does on a on a daily basis. It needs basically a a, a reason for being um, and a willingness to you know experiment and um, you know and a, and a desire to to kind of fulfill that that vision and the resources that are required um, to be able to execute. Now we saw a couple of examples that many of them were also kind of really product, tangible product examples mm. that, um, that you showed. What, uh, what role do uh, digi digital platforms uh, play in, in, in all the smart city, but certainly also mobility? Sure. We see, I would say we see about 70% of our portfolio um, and applicants are software. And about 30% of them are, are hardware or connected devices. Um, so I still think, you know, it's much, much easier to build a software business, mm. uh, particularly now. Um, but there's no doubt that, like, hardware and physical products, um, you know, physical infrastructure, still incredibly necessary, um, still relevant, and incredibly difficult to do. So I think that's where... Um, You know, we can really provide um, a massive amount of leverage is with the resources in mechanical engineering, embedded electric, electrical engineering, um, user experience design. That it's I think where um, you know if you're building a hardware product, um, you know, understanding your supply chain, getting to a golden sample, figuring out your bomb, like all those things are are really, really critical and, and tough to do. And so I think having that expertise of people who've gone there before and, you know, people who can introduce you to the right mentors and investors who are still investing in that space is, is, uh, is fundamental. You mentioned earlier that some of the BMW guys <clears throat> kind of from, the, from Munich or from the, from the core, more core business definitely from today moved over and are exposed and working here um, uh, in that kind of environment. How do they perceive kind of the different cultures or 
how do they um, experience kind of getting into a different environment, different ecosystem from what they have experienced in, uh, in, in the core business or in Munich? I, well, I think that um, there is uh, there's probably a small group of um, you know of, of of more traditional employees who um, are really kind of excited by and, and energized by the opportunity around how the mobility landscape is changing, mm -hmm. and have a desire to help disrupt the company from the inside before it's completely disrupted from the outside. So I think um, you know for some, and in particular our our design director. Um, there's always been this eagerness and willingness to um, leverage their skill set and their resources and, and network um, to work on things that are, you know, right at the bleeding edge. So I think in many ways, like, there is very much an entrepreneurial culture. I think a lot of the systems and, um, you know, and, and policies are in place for a really good reason because when you buy a new... Um, vehicle, you want to make sure that that vehicle is as safe as possible, um, and you don't necessarily want, you know, an MVP uh, of a vehicle um, when you're cruising down the highway. So, you know, I think look like startups search for business models, and big companies execute on business models. And I think, you know, many in the BMW group um, clearly execute on their existing model incredibly well. I think. The future is changing in ways that are going to be difficult to predict, um, and I think business model innovation and evolution is a, is a big part of that future. And so, in many ways, it's actually kind of a, a two-way street where not only can the startups learn from the folks from uh, headquarters, but I, I do think that um, you know there are many folks within the company who can actually learn a lot from uh, the entrepreneurs who are part of the, the program. Last question, broadening, widening and opening up basically um, looking into the past, uh, maybe 30, 20, 10 years into the past and looking to today, how innovation or product development mm. or launching new business, how has that changed and what are the reasons for those changes? I think, um, so in the core, certainly in the core business, um, the speed of product development has increased and um, I, I think... Uh, You know, between advances in autonomous technology and advances in um, uh, sh you know the, the the shared and and sharing platforms that currently exist, um, you know, in many ways, technology is disrupting um, you know the the core business, um, and I think presents new challenges also, but 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 new opportunities. Um, and then I think that the you know the the cycle of development and um, uh, the time that it's that it's taken to bring a new product to market has also um, shrunk, and a lot of those changes are I think driven by um, you know what's happened in China and the manufacturing um, prowess and um, you know new new systems that are that are in place there. From a from a vehicle perspective, but I think also that there's been a willingness um, to consider different approaches to engage with traditional customers of the brand. You think you know historically, um, people who have a relationship, in particular with Mini, because I think Mini is a really unique brand in many ways, where people have this emotional attachment to the brand, mm -hmm. 
has come through the interaction that they have with the vehicle. And I think that um, what we're starting to see is that there are new ways and new approaches by which they're now engaging with the brand, whether that's through fashion or lifestyle projects or mini living, which is a, a shared um, housing development that's under construction in Shanghai. Like These are new approaches for people to engage with the brand that don't have anything to do with the car. And I don't think you would have seen that 10 years ago. Um, but because of many of these shifts, I think that the company is kind of reacting to um, consumer demand and figuring out how it can um, um, kind of evolve as a lifestyle brand um, that's not strictly about um, the vehicle. At the same time, really trying to figure out what is the right um, electric urban mobility offering um, that is going to surprise and delight its customers. Micah, thank you very much for your presentation once again. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, thank you for that interesting yeah. and pleasant conversation. Thanks for having me. Thanks. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms, so visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.